All right, Formation 2020. Here we go. I'm gonna start with this random story. So my three-year-old, Ellie, she's obsessed with airplanes. She's been on a lot of them. Uh, this fast-paced technological society we live in, right? Um, so we had her last trip was the beginning of March, pre-COVID, and me and her were flying to Dallas to see my, my parents while Anna was on like a women's retreat with Roland. And uh, for like six weeks beforehand, which in a two-year-old at the time's mind, that's an eternity, she would like, 10 plus times a day would count the trip. She would say something to the effect of, I grab a suitcase and say, bye mama, bye Roland, and get on an airplane with daddy, and we fly to Dallas and see Grammy and granddad. Like some variation of that, like 10 plus times a day, which is pretty remarkable. And this obsession with airplanes actually um, like flows into her worldview. So I had this vague dream that Ellie has some kind of like translation ability with Roland, who's one who just says like unintelligible things, right? And he'll say something, and I'd be like, Ellie, what's Roland saying? And she'll be like, he says, I want to go on an airplane. I'm like, hmm, right, okay. And yeah, she, so she loves airplanes. And we're gonna use an airplane analogy to kind of get us off the runway for this talk today, all right? You like that? So, airplane. So if this year, the school year was an airplane, we'd be at cruising altitude right now. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, right, John. I'm like gripping the seats because we're like tearing through time and space. Uh, maybe that's your experience, but I would propose that we were at cruising altitude, okay? And we're not accelerating anymore. We're just kind of up, up there in the sky. And maybe it's the time of the, the flight where, like, you know, you had your little, the snacks they passed out and you, like, pounded them because they were in front of you. And now you're, like, super thirsty because they're really salty. And you're just, like, waiting for the stewardess to show up with your drink. And I hope that this talk can be that refreshing drink of water for you or Coke Zero or whatever you order on your flight that will cleanse your palate and show us the, uh, the way forward. No promises though, we'll see. Um, because you see, when you're on like cruising altitude, when you're like in the air, like chilling, it's the first time you can kind of like look back to how you got here, then look forward to what you're doing, right? It's a good, good time to think. I don't know if you guys experienced that. Uh, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look back to how we got here, then we're gonna look forward to, Lord, what do you have for us moving forward? Does that sound good? That's, that's the math for this talk. Okay, good, here we go. Uh, so looking back, the Lord's been working for months on making us a people. Not just a bunch of individuals, right? He's been speaking to us, what does it mean to be a people, my people, set apart from me, with worship, with prayer, with mission, with uh, actually community relationships, like repairing relationships, right? And Lord, I think the culmination of this was fan to flame, where we came together and like learned about what it means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. How does God want to work in our times? And we said, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're in. And then we invited hundreds of our friends to come join us, and God showed up in power, and it was amazing. It was, it was a glorious weekend. And then we came back, and one of our first prayer meetings afterwards, God started speaking clearly about mission. This wasn't, like, planned. This wasn't like Emily, like, and I planted this in people's minds. God just started doing this. He started saying, I have, there's mission for you. Like, go out. I want you to bring it to others. And then COVID hit, right? Like, God's call then changed just our circumstance. So... And that was wild. And we still pressed them. We, we did our best. And then we get back together in SMR, right? August. SMR in August, we get to worship together for the first time in a long time. And it was awesome. And we started diving into what it means to be a community on mission. And then in our prayer meeting, the Lord started speaking clearly there. Here's some of the words that came out there. He spoke to us about being a bright light and encouraged us to go to the corners of campus, right? To shine that for others. He spoke about getting out of our boats of self-security and worldly ambition actually take a leap of faith 
and to save other people from their sinking boats too. He invites us to receive the joy he has prepared for us by worshiping him and sacrificing our idols to him, right? We hear that Jesus has abundance for us this year. In the scripture verse was Peter, right? Jesus saying, go out into the deep and lower your nets for a catch. And he made the same invitation for us. Go and go into the deep and lower your nets for a catch. And we're like, God, we don't see it, we don't understand. The same way Peter probably said the same thing. But he says, go, I have more for you. These are all words of mission fruitfulness, right? Fear from anxiety, fear, self-obsession. These are words of inner transformation, new hearts, new vision, new strength. So remember that the Lord actually has hidden evangelists in our midst, right, on campus, like with 100,000 plus fold harvest, right? That he has, he's made this promise to us. We just have to go. So what, what, do we, what's our, what do we do about all these words? These are great words, right? What's our natural thing that we do? The natural thing we do is we forget, right? Guilty myself at times. So you forget, like life goes on, right? God says something and then a new prayer meeting hits, we get new stuff, we get excited about that, and then we just like kind of go. But brothers and sisters, God is not speaking randomly to us. He actually has something for us here. And that's what I want us to like, exhale, pause, and linger for a second. Because it bears repeating that God isn't just a promise maker, he's a promise keeper as well, right? So when Jesus spoke, it says in Luke that people hung on his words. When Jesus spoke, people hung on his words. And so when Jesus speaks to us, when he offers us his word, do we sit with it? Do we linger on it? Do we ask him, Lord, what does this mean? How do you want me to respond to this? How can we act on this now? Or we say, oh, that's a cool thing God said, and then move on to the next, right? So disclaimer, it doesn't mean we like stop listening to God and stop exercising prophecy. No, 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 we don't. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean we should maybe like see like, the words we have now and how they fit into the past. And God, how are you leading us? And see it as a story, right? And not just like a bunch of isolated, nice little things. Like, you know, we open up our devotional book and say like, oh, those are good two sentences. I'm going to hold on to that today and then go about our day and forget it five minutes later. Not what we're talking about. So the Lord has been leading us into a season of mission, right? Um, and he's also speaking to us now, okay? And so this is just last, uh, two weeks ago, last prayer meeting, okay? So what was the Lord speaking? Um, at multiple houses, the same word came up, actually. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully understand, even as I have been fully understood. So now we see in a mirror dimly. The Lord's saying to us, like, we can't see the whole picture right now, but I have so much more for you. you got to trust me. you got to take me at my word, right? The Lord's calling us to have faith in him. This is a great word, too. This is from... Uh, this is about the Israelites being led to the promised land, right? We know that story. Uh, 40 years in the desert, right? 40 years, not 40, 40 years. Why? Well, the promise, the promise of the promised land was delayed by the complaining and lack of faith of the Israelites. This is the word I'm reading right here. We have to step into trust that the Lord's promise is going to be fulfilled and actually stop complaining about circumstance if we want to see it in our time. Again, we have to step into trust that the Lord's promise is going to be fulfilled and actually stop complaining about our circumstance if we want to see it in our time. But also, once the Israelites entered, right, they entered the promised land after the 40 years, it's a long time, they came to Jericho with his massive walls. God was reminding them that actually impossible was where his work begins. I love that. Like, you get past the 40 years, you go to the promised land, massive obstacle. These entire city with huge walls and we're just like a bunch of ragtag group of Israelites, right? What are we going to do? And God says, actually, reminding them that 
impossible was where the Lord's work began. As we're looking ahead at our impossible circumstances, remember that these are God's starting line. And he wants us to remember that nothing we're doing is of our own hands, but of his. Amen. What a great reminder for us right now. Like, Lord, I don't even know how you're going to do this. It doesn't even make sense. But God, you can do this. You've done it before. I trust. Okay, so God is so much more for us, right? Me, so caught up in petty things, okay? I mean, some more. Like the Israelites, right? 40, 40 years in the desert. We get caught up in the petty things. Like, ah, oh, my roommate doesn't do the dishes. Ah, oh, they're like, um, I gotta, I'm so tired in the morning all the time. Or like, we lose vision of like God's goodness. And we like stop praying and stop like walking step by step with them. We kind of go off on our own maybe a little bit and just like build our own little castle of our own like control in our own world, right? We actually aren't open up to God or open to others or seeing others even. It's just about us. And we lose sight of the call that we're here for. The greater purpose, right? Because we're here for God's kingdom. Like, ultimately, God's called us here to build his kingdom. So we're talking about generational impact. Like, God wants to transform generations. He wants to transform this nation. And we're a part of his kingdom building at Ohio State's campus. We're a part of that work. We've been called into it, whether we know it or not. Here we are. Congratulations. But the Lord, think about it, the generational impact. The Lord wants to, us to reach men and women who don't know, don't know him. He's not part of their plan. And then we introduce him to the Lord. And they experience his power. They encounter him in a new way. And that actually changes how they view their life. And that changes who they marry. That changes where they live. That changes how they serve their parish. Even if they go to a parish, right? It changes how they raise their kids. It changes how they develop them and teach them in the faith. And those kids go on to become missionaries and impact others. And this, this just expands in every line of goodness, right? This is what the Lord has for us. And it's not just at Ohio State, but it's, it's fruit that lasts, right? It's not just like a couple years, something fun to do on a Wednesday. This is about the Lord's kingdom. And what a joy it is to be a part of this, right? When we forget that vision, we focus on the dishes, we become the grumbling Israelites, right? Losing the greatness that God wants to do. God wanted to bless the entire world through these Israelites, through this little tiny nation. He wanted to bless the entire world. And they're just like, I don't like walking anymore. And God's like, face palm. There's a bigger thing happening. All right, so here we are. Again, cruising altitude. The Lord has said he has more for us, right, in these promises we read. Um, how do we unlock it? How do we unlock this more? What's my proposal? Uh, through faith. Again, another underwhelming answer from John. How do we unlock the more God has through us? Through faith. All right, let's unlock that. Let's unpack that. If you um, what does this look like? What does faith look like in this situation? Well, we've all heard, maybe some of us have heard this story, right? So there's an intense drought in the land, and God promises to three farmers that it's going to rain next week. Well, the first farmer's like, God's going to rain. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord, and he praises God. The second one says, God's going to rain. Thank you. Praises God, and then goes tells a bunch of people, like, guys, it's going to rain. It's going to be so great. The third farmer, like, praises God. Thank you so much, Lord. Can't wait. And then he actually goes and, like, prepares his fields and, like, sows, like, the last of his seeds. And like thanks everything on this rain. Which one was displayed faith? Well, actually, all of them did in this story, because they all like praised God for something they hadn't seen yet, which is faith, right? Which one saw the most fruit? The last one. Number three. Number three, not number six. Number three. He saw the most fruit because he actually acted, he prepared his fields. He believed God and then banked everything on it. The last of his seed. So this is our invitation for us. 
right? So in our life, we're called to soar. We're called to be like to the heights, right? And oftentimes we can just get so content with the ground. We live on the ground. What's wrong with the ground? It's great, right? But the Lord has so much more. He wants us to experience what it is to like reach 5,000 feet. To like what it feels like to fall. What it feels like to experience that freedom. So here's, here's another spiritual principle I want to offer us right now. Kind of a roadmap for us in our life of faith, okay? You ready? Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. Also underwhelming. Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. All right, this is St. John of the Cross. This is not underwhelming. So here's my, here's my dream and desire for this community. You ready for this? Okay. I, I, like, I don't have all the fancy answers. Like Jesus does, right? Jesus is the one who's doing all this. Like I'm not, this talk's not going to change your life. Okay, so someone called me and it killed the video, but picking up where we left off, uh, it's, I don't have the fancy answers, right? I'm not like the answer guy. Like Jesus is the answer guy. And what I, my hope is that for you, six to seven months from now in May, when you like get done, you realize how much the Lord has done. So like what I want now is for you, us to like soak in like the hot tub of grace, like praying every day, getting chances to worship him, living with brothers and sisters who are committed to us and like experiencing the goodness and soaking, saying yes to him in small things, right? And seeing how that builds over life. It builds over that over time. And then we get out of the hot tub in May and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm a different person, the hot tub of grace, you know? A totally different person than I was when I got in. God, you've done so much in just a year. I can't wait to see how much more you have for me. So what does this more look like? So think about this. Um, what if I gave you $20 right now? Like a $20 bill, pulled it out, handed it to you. You'd be like, oh, sweet. Thanks, John. No strings attached. There you go. Uh, you could probably spend that on some cool things like canes or Chipotle a couple times. Maybe take someone out. Um, what if I gave you like a hundred bucks? You'd be like, oh, wow. That's a, that's a chunk of money. Thanks, John. Gonna like buy something for the house. No, go good good for you. Uh, what if I give you, say, be like, hey, like next month's household um, fee paid for. Like, oh, wow, that's really helpful. Thank you. What if I take my pocketbook and write you a $1,000 check, rip it off, hand it to you? $1,000. You'd be like, wow, I do a lot with $1,000, especially as a college student. That'd be really great. Uh, what if I give you $5,000? That's like, wow, like me and the house, we're going to like Cabo. Let's go, guys. Private jet on me. Like, that's awesome. 5000 What if I gave you like $30,000? It's like what a chunk of America makes in one year. $30,000. You can write a check, cut it out, hand it to you, $30,000. That'd be pretty amazing. What would you do with it? Okay, what if I gave you $75,000? What would you do with that? How would that change your life right now? Okay, let's say $250,000. In one time, just lump sum. Here you go. In your account, $250,000. $750,000. A million dollars. Here you go. Here's a million dollar check, cut it out, hand it to you. What would you do with that? How would that money change you right now? Right? Okay, that's five mil. If they give you five mil, you can like retire right now. Just live off the interest, baby. Let's go. That'd be amazing. 10 mil, 50 mil, $100 million. You have $100 million, what could you do with that? Let's say $500 million, a billion dollars. Okay, all right, chill. What, what am I doing here? I think the Lord wants us to be spiritual billionaires. The Lord wants to pour grace, grace, and grace, abundance of grace on us. The Lord wants us to be spiritual billionaires. And God gives us little things and we start small. So that's not, I don't want to fool us here. Like we're not, none of us are like in that billionaire area right now. We're like 
dealing with like double digits here, okay? Maybe some of us have graduated like the hundreds and maybe some thousands here. We're like, we're like babies, we're starting out. But our trajectory, our life, the Lord wants to give us, wants to soak us in that much grace. Billions. And like the same way that like, you know, five million would change your life. Five million, the spectrum's like over here. It's like on the beginning end, right? But so how many people reach five million? Very few. The Lord has a narrow gate. The Lord has so much more for us. And we just box them in. We get to a point where we're like, God, you give me 75K, I'm good. Like, I'm coasting the rest of my life. Let's do this thing. He's like, no, no, no. Like, what about a billion? Like, you had 75K. That's like, I have so much more for us. So we can just settle, right? We can settle. So this faithfulness and little things, this starts small. So we get, he gives us like, you know, five bucks at a time, 20 bucks at a time, especially early on in our walk with him. And he says, what do you do with it? It's like our free time in college. It's, it's a pretty small amount of money, but it's a gift. What are you going to do with it? I mean, he gives us an opportunity to go to Ohio State, get a great education. What are you going to do with it? How, what are you going to spend it on? And if we spend it on the kingdom, he's like, okay, cool. Like, whatever that looks like, I'm not giving you answers here, but if you spend it on the kingdom, in whatever way he calls you to, then he's like, all right, faithful in the little things. I can trust you a little bit more. And that's how it grows. That's how our life of faith grows. We say, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you here. So that could be like, Right? It could be like waking up and choosing to go to breakfast and engaging everyone instead of just slumping. It could be like praying in between songs and morning prayer. I'm like, I'm going to push myself. God, you're worthy. It could be like taking a brother or sister out for lunch that we genuinely care about. Right? It could be like folding your roommate's laundry. Like, I got a couple minutes. So I can help him out here. Small thing. It could be like praying every day. Right? It's just starting small and doing something and having that build. Right? Being faithful in small things because it's a big thing because we're called to the heights. Right? So here's the thing. The more, this more, the billionaire, the, the high guy has for us, whatever is next for us, it's found through faith. It's found through faith. So we're going to look at scripture here. At a time that Jesus um, was amazed at someone's faith. Here we go. Um, so Luke 7. This is like immediately after the Sermon on the Mount where like God blew some minds. Jesus blew some people's minds here. Like he's talking about the Beatitudes. He's like, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? And he's all these teachings about like redefining the law for people. So we, like at this point, they're like drunk out of fire hose. So they're like, whoa, this man's speaking with authority. Like, who is this guy? So what's the first thing after this that the Lord wants to wants to speak to us about? It's, it's faith. And here it is. Okay. This is this is Matthew Luke seven. Sorry, Luke seven one. Um, he says after he had ended all his sayings in the in, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a slave who was dear to him, who was sick and at the point of death. When he heard of Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his slave. And when they had come to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the multitude that followed him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when, they had, and when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave well. I love that. What a powerful story. I'm going to, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is Jesus never said a word and the guy was healed. 
he just said it, it's like it like happened like somehow this man's faith in Jesus Jesus was so powerful that like it aligned with God's intention and it became reality it just happened I don't quite understand but that's what I read God didn't say boom now hey it happened hey good job it just happened for you because I said so it just happened it's powerful stuff so like this man understood that he was dealing with the God of the universe that's what's so powerful here is um, like flesh and blood doesn't reveal that to him he didn't like logic his way there reason his way to like Jesus was the son of God that's like you don't get there that way what happened was the God of the universe revealed to this centurion that this was the guy this is God like the guy who like spoke everything into being like the logos like the guy who by his very word holds everything together who conceptualized the entire universe who like is all-powerful whose word is obeyed by all living things and seen and unseen like that's not a logical conclusion that the guy came to God revealed that to him and Jesus marveled at that but what even he marveled at even more was this man somehow that was revealed to him but then he acted on it in a bold way and most of all in a humble way in a humble way so the man says I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof you might be like okay John wait a second like Jesus wants to like walk with us he's our brother right yes but this attitude this humility is actually the example the church holds up to us the attitude we should have when we receive Jesus how do I know that because it's what we say before we receive Jesus right like I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof this humility the fact is like the Lord doesn't come doesn't come to us we don't receive the Lord because you know we're in household and we did dorm hold and we go to prayer meetings and we pray every day and like we're really good people and we talk to people on campus we pray with them and do all these awesome things that's not why God comes to us God comes to us because he loves us and nothing we do no resume building no great act can do can make him love us anymore and when we realize that fact when we let go of our resume building and our pride we realize God comes to us because he loves us. And we, can, we have this humility about ourselves. Jesus, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But he comes anyways, and that should astound us. That's amazing. Um, so, what if we believed that what God said would happen? What if we believed what God said would happen? Well, Abraham did. Let's look at that example, okay? Classic, right? And it says it was credited to him as righteousness. So God promised Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations, right? And that his offspring, through his offspring, the entire world would be blessed. It doesn't get much bigger than that. So think about this. Abraham was a guy who, like, didn't, he didn't know God. He was, he was just a dude, right? And God, like, revealed himself, like, came to him and said, Hey, you, um, you're going to be the father of many nations, and you're going to have a son, even though you're, like, 100 years old. And your wife, you've been trying for like decades and she's like way past childbearing age. You're going to have a son and he's going to be the father of a great nation. And through that nation, all the world will be blessed. The entire world, not just like your people, like the entire world. That's pretty lofty. And Abraham believed it. He stayed his whole life on it. It didn't happen like the next day. It happened over decades. His faithfulness, right, unlocked this promise. This is great. Romans says this. Um... The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
right? He didn't, he, like, God didn't choose Abraham to be some awesome guy. He, he, like, he chose him, and his righteousness was shown in his faith and holding on to the promise. Let me make sure this thing's still on. Yep, we're good. All right, we're rolling. So let me just start the beginning of the verse. Okay. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteous, righteousness of faith. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Whew, I love that. That's Romans right there. Give it up. Um, so there's a lot here. I want to I dive into a couple things. First off, Abraham had nothing to point to when the promise was made. He didn't have a bunch of kids. He wasn't really successful in the past. And God said, yo, it's going to happen. And he was he had nothing to point to. But he believed, right? And like, it can be, I know couples trying for like three, four, five years to have kids. It's excruciating. It's hard. It's difficult. It's easy to lose hope. But he held on after, I mean, one, he endured decades of it not working. And then like after that, decades until the promise was even seen after it was made, right? So what's amazing too, he believed this kind of faith, brothers and sisters, is beyond understanding. Um, so God can do whatever he wants, right? Yeah, sure, John. Whatever. But think about this. Okay, I was reading through Matthew, all right? And there's like a way the world works, right? And we're kind of used to it, right? We're taught about it. Um, we're taught about sperm, egg, together, baby, right? That's how things go. But I was reading about Joseph, and God told Joseph that Mary has a child, and the child is of God. And there's no intercourse when the child was conceived. What? There's a way things work. But somehow it was just egg, baby. Right? That's like the equivalent of like being pouring outside with not a single cloud in the sky. It just doesn't follow. Like God can do whatever he wants. He's the guy who made this thing up. He's again like the divine reason for all things. Jesus is the one. And like he doesn't really need to play by rules. And that's the God we're believing in. That's the God we put our faith in. And that's the God that Abraham believed. It doesn't make any sense. Like this whole thing, I don't understand it, but you said that and you're bigger than me. So I'm just going to like kind of go all in for that and trust that you're going to do it. Because you see a lot more than I do, and you set this whole game up. And then he goes all in for this promise, right? And I love this. It says, it says, faith grows. So he grew strong in his faith. It says, but he grew strong in his faith, right? No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. So something about faith is able to grow, right? It starts off small like a mustard seed, right? But it grows. How does faith grow? Right? It's an important answer, right? Um, how does faith, well, we follow what's next. It says, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Whew. So brothers and sisters, I, I don't have all the answers. In fact, as a prophetic sign, Matthew Turek, I'm taking off my shoes in humility. I don't have all the answers here. I don't have this thing figured out. But what I do know is what's point here is that our faith grows and it grows as we give glory to God. And first and foremost, in our worship, right? At the Sunday Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, right? And then we have, how many opportunities do we have in our day to take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on? Okay, did it again. Um, lots of opportunities to, in our day-to-day -day to take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on the Lord, right? 
So, worship is key. Worship is key. And we're going to have a chance to do that in a second. But what I want to pause and say for right now is, take a deep breath. Lord, what are you saying right now? What are you speaking to me right now? Maybe you're wondering when this is going to end. That's fair because I don't have the words of eternal life. Jesus does, right? Praise God. Um, but what is God saying to you right now? Because we're all in different spots, right? Some of us are newer to formation. Maybe you're asking for the first time, Lord, what does it mean to go all in for you? It's a good question. Some of us have been around the block for a bit. Like, God, like, maybe you're talking about a future. Well, I don't know, whatever it is. Lord, what, what are you saying to me right now? And actually asking that question and digging into it. Because at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Because it's not always the clear-cut way, right? Sometimes it, it, it takes risk. No matter what our tolerance is, God calls us to risk for him because he's the one who set this up. We can trust him, right? God promises and he delivers. But what, what matters here, what we're talking about is our faith, is trusting God at his word and stepping out of the boat, right? So here's, here's some questions of faith. Here's the words of faith. Did Jesus want to make us a light to the corners of campus or not? And if he does, what am I going to do about it? Did Jesus want to transform my heart or not? And if so, how am I going to respond to that? Did Jesus want to rescue men and women from a sinking ship or not? And if so, what am I going to do about it? Did Jesus have hidden evangelists on campus or not? And if so, how am I going to respond? Does Jesus have an abundance for me, for us as a people? Does he have a banquet for us? If so, how am I going to respond to that? These are the questions of faith, right? I mean, we can wrestle with these. Lord, is this true or not? How am I going to respond? My actions will tell my answer. So even more practically, what does this look like? What does this faithless and little things going to big things look like? It could be going to a brother and sister and asking for forgiveness that we've wronged. It could look like um, praying with them. Maybe bringing something into the light. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe we've been in a dark spot. Maybe we've been really inward focused and we need to be vulnerable about something. Taking a brother and sister aside and saying, hey, can we pray really quick? It could be asking... Um, going up to a new person, right? We've never seen before. Maybe God's like, hey, talk to them. And it's responding to that. Maybe it's praying with them, right? Maybe it's like um, setting the time aside in a busy day to pray. Maybe it's like your weekend, your life's really busy, but you actually want to go spend a weekend with some brothers and sisters who are going to go on a hiking trip or something so you can take some new people with you and they can experience the rich life we have. It could be giving up apps on your phone. It could be fasting for the first time. It could be starting a new prayer life for the first time ever, maybe. All of these things are little things we can do to build this kind of inertia in our life, right? Saying faithfulness in little things is a big thing because God can build from there. And we're faithful in what he gives us here and now. He can give us more. Our hearts can be expanded. Because brothers and sisters, we have no idea how big our God is. We have no idea. But it starts, this journey starts here and now and he wants to transform our entire lives, not just parts of it. He wants to make us spiritual billionaires. Not just 75K, one-time gift. He wants to go make us spiritual billionaires so we can pour out into others. And we can offer his life to others. And this adventure, this adventure can start today. This adventure can start today for you. Or if you've been living it for a while, maybe it can begin anew. Maybe a new vigor, maybe a new direction, maybe a new vision. Come Holy Spirit. But the fact is, faithfulness in little things is a big thing. And God is about some really big things in our community. Thank you, Jesus.